welcome to the Free Parking Show with your hosts, Amos, Rich, Ryan, and Peter. Four sports journalists cover the world of sports with the utmost professionalism, or as much as they can muster after five beers. Hello and welcome to the Free Parking Show. I am one of your hosts tonight, Ryan Moreland. With me as always on Tuesday nights is Amos Conway. Um, Tonight we have the next 10 picks, pick 11 through 20, and the Beers and Cheers uh, mock drafts for you. Uh, Before we get started here, I want to say, you know, we have, we don't pimp them enough, but we got the Facebook, uh, Twitter, and we, and now we have an Instagram uh, so Facebook at Free Parking, and, you know it's P A R R K I N G. The Twitter is Free underscore, and then Par P A R R all uppercase King all lowercase, and then the the Instagrams just at Free Parking all lowercase all one word. Um, and tonight we'd love to hear from you guys if you guys want to let us know your picks or who you think should go uh, in the picks that we cover tonight. Uh, or just have interesting tidbits to throw in, whatever, text us at 252-621-2065. We'd love to hear from you tonight. Or if you have the Spreaker app that you download on your phone, uh, you can just chat right off of that. It's got a feature where you can chat right with us on the show. Uh, We'll be following both uh, the whole episode. All right, before we get into the action, as we do always on Tuesday night's Beers and Cheers show, uh, me and Amos get a little uh, libations on, get a, get a little uh, buzzed here before we get on the show and during the show. So what are you drinking tonight, Amos? I'm actually drinking some uh, Goose Island IPA. Big fan of IPAs, bigger fan of double IPAs, but went ahead and won Goose Island. Not an IPA guy. I'm not big on overly hoppy beers, man, but... Uh... But I haven't had Goosehead yet, so maybe I'll give it a try. Tonight, I'm keeping the Can- uh, the Canada theme alive. was drinking Molson's last week. This week, I'm drinking Moosehead, uh, made by Molson. Really good beer. This might be my favorite beer, actually, uh, as far as light beers go, or lighter beers go. Uh, really good beer. Um, hopefully, I do the show okay, though, because I bought a 12-pack, and it's almost half gone, so we'll see how this goes tonight. <laughs> I like the follow-up to how we've been drinking just a little. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, drinking just a little. Six beers deep as we start the show. <laughs> we'll see where we end up at the end of the night. <laughs> All right, here, guys. We got, um, we, of course, last week we did uh, one through ten. Tonight we're going to do uh, picks 11 through 20. And then um, next week's show, next Tuesday, uh, same time, same place, we will be doing... Uh, all of the playoff teams pick 21 to 31 uh, to close it out. And then we're going to do a, a second mock draft uh, weeks later. So we got a little bit. We got to see the combine. I know you're a big fan, Amos, of the of the combine. And uh, and you got the – you watched it just as much as I did, I'm sure. So we got a little bit of that. But we both uh, wanted to say this before we get into it just for all the fans so we don't have to repeat ourselves and keep saying it the whole night. Because uh, me and you both agree here, Every, a lot of people look at the combine as the be-all, end-all, but what the kid put on tape before 
the combine is far more important than what he did at working out at the combine. So a lot of our picks didn't change that much. It might, it might be a pick or two, but it's not going to change a ton because uh, we're both in agreement here that the combine shouldn't overrule what the what the kid put on on the field and actual gameplay. Yeah, no, I uh, uh man. I do. Sorry, I was looking through the combine stats, just looking at different guys there for a second, got sucked into it. But yeah, no, I agree. And uh, I do. I did grab one guy who had a combine. I thought it was really good, and he put on good tape at the school he went to, which I'm a big fan of. If you watch the show, I should give it away pretty much at that. <laughs> but yeah, seriously, I, mean, I there wasn't. I don't think there was really anybody that hurt themselves. You could argue Jalen Ramsey, and everyone's big over his forty. But like he ran a four point like four four one. Like it's not like he went out there and dropped a four six or something. I you know, the kid's got game speed. I thought Hargraves did really good for himself. I thought he did very good for himself. And uh the kid from Oklahoma, he did really good. Yeah, I thought there was a lot of good workouts. Uh, people were wigging out about Joey Bosa and Noah Spence, I know, because they had and both of them I think had okay performances, solid performances, but it didn't blow you away. Um those are two guys that really come to mind. Uh, Carson Wentz, uh, everybody thought that he did amazing, but I think he did He did good. Uh, he did definitely, he looked like the best quarterback on the field uh, during the the combine, but he didn't blow me away. I, I wasn't looking at him thinking, oh, man, this guy's good. I, I was looking at him and thinking, this guy's the best of a really weak draft class. Um, but we'll get in more into that later. Uh, as we get down the picks, we'll start off here at number 11, the Chicago Bears. Uh, you know, Chicago didn't have a great season last year. They Jay Cutler looked a lot better. You know, he is improving. They're going to have Kevin White, a wide receiver, come back this year. They franchise tagged all Sean Jeffrey today, uh, you know, making a point to keep him on the team. This offense is really good. They need help from this defense, though, if they want to be a serious contender. Who did you have them taking here? All right, so like you said, they got uh, Kevin White coming back next year. Their offense is pretty good. They got Langford, one place you could argue maybe offensive line. Defense, so many holes. That secondary, the linebackers, the front seven, or I'm sorry, the down linemen. And with that, number 11, the Bears take in uh, Miles Jack, the outside linebacker out of UCLA. Very versatile guy. A lot of people don't think it. Don't know if he can transition into the three-four, but I think he's much, much talented and gifted enough. You're going to be able to use some sub packages. He can. He's actually really, really good at covering tight ends. He can do some backs. He can do uh, a few slot receivers here and there. He's a very, very quick guy. And you know, I know with the injury there, there's a lot of questions and stuff. But this guy is just an outstanding linebacker. If healthy, he's probably top five pick. He block sheds very, very good. And he gets, you know, surprisingly for such a quick rush, when he gets that first explosive shot off, he'll knock the lineman back and get by him. He's got a little bit of a bull rush, and I think he would fit that John Fox defense absolutely perfectly. And the things they could do with him, I, I, I think it would be a great fit for both of them, and I see him going at number 11. Yeah, I had Miles Jack in my uh, first mock draft that I did. I had Miles Jack going here at number 11. Uh, but then, of course... 
Last week, anybody who listened last week knows that I had him going at number eight uh, to Miami, who desperately needs linebacker help. Um, Because he's so far ahead of of his rehab than what we thought he would be, I mean, it's looking right now like he'll be at training camp uh, with no problem. He's already running. He's already back on the field doing uh, a lot of different drills. They're still a little worried about his lateral movement as of right now, but he's, he's running at full speed. Uh, from what his trainer says and everything, I, you know, I covered that last week. If you want to go listen to it, um, <clears throat> yeah, I think that'd be an excellent pick. The only reason I don't have him is because I have him going earlier because he is healthy and he's an outstanding player, uh, and I think he would be a good fit here. I think you go bring up a good point. I think he can play in both the four three and the three four. Uh, but right here, I had him taking uh, the Chicago Bears going defensive tackle instead and taking Robert Kimdichi, uh from Old Miss. This guy's unbelievably talented. He, I mean, if you had the red flags aside, he, I think, is probably at least top five talent-wise. He's unbelievable how well he's played. But, of course, uh, you know, had the synthetic marijuana charge when he fell out of the window uh, December 12th, um, which, you know, he talked about a little bit. I'll get into that here in a second. Uh, a lot of red flags for this kid. But he, he performed well. Um, you know, 6'3", 294 pounds, around a 4'8", 740, uh, 28 reps at 225, 35-inch vertical, uh, and then a 9-foot, 8-inch broad jump. So he performed really well um, on in the drills that he did. Impressed with the combine. And I was impressed with what he did at the combine. Uh, you know, still really high on this kid talent-wise, but it's the off-the-field stuff. So in his interview... <laughs> which is the best part. Uh, one of my favorite parts of probably the entire combine process was this kid's interview this year. He said some things that I liked to hear uh, from him and said a lot that I didn't like. Uh, he said that he wasn't high um, on the the mar- where marijuana or synthetic marijuana, whatever it was. said he was not high, uh, but it was in the room. People, Some of the people in the room had it, and nobody wanted to take the fall for it. Uh, and the hotel room was in his name. Um, so he said he took the fall for it, uh, which, you know, it could be true. Um, yeah, it could be uh, true, but it just rings a false. Like, it just seems so untrue. Uh, just the words, I'm not saying it's not true, but it, it does ring false. Um, especially when you have a player that has more than just one red flag. This just happens to be the big one. Um, so, and then he said that also, uh, Larry Laramie Tunsil, who is probably going to be the number one pick, he was number one on both of our boards. Uh, I think most people have him going to Tennessee at number one. Was also in the hotel with him, which just this was this is the part that I really didn't like that he said because it doesn't help him at all. You know, it, it, he, I know that he might think that it's going to get people thinking like, oh well, if he was there too and he's a really good player, like that doesn't help him. What it does is if that's proved to be true. Or even if it's not, it makes it a bigger story. It br- brings up this whole story again. So, you know, it's just putting more of a spotlight that Kim Dichie, uh was an idiot and it was uh, very drunk, possibly high, and fell from a hotel window. You know, it, it, it adds more to the story, especially the number one pick. A lot of people have his number one on their big board was in the room with him. It only makes the story that much bigger. Uh, and it's... And revamps the story, gives it new life, which I just thought was dumb. I didn't think it was a good move uh, for him to make. He also at one point seemed like he was trying to blame the media for his 
uh, fall in draft stock, and then he does take it back, like immediately took it back and said it was on him, uh, on his actions. But, uh, yeah, like Kim Dietschy, I heard someone say it perfectly. I can't remember who to give him credit, uh, but said perfectly that he impressed with his body, not with his mouth. I thought that was a very good way to, to sum up what his combine looked like. Yeah, no, I completely agree, and I think that's one of the bigger. You first, you got all the red flags beforehand. You got the issue and call it not being able to handle like interior double teams and things like that when he was being focused on. But the red flags most is some of the story, but it's bringing up Laramie Tunsil too. Like, ah, oh, man, like seriously, like first off, you're dumb enough to lie about what happened. If, you know, if he's telling the truth, which to me if you're getting ready to pay, be paid $4 million a year for like four years, you're probably not going to sit there and be like, yeah, no, no, it's fine. It's just, it's just seriously, that's not thinking at all on either part. And I just, I think it's going to hurt him because, yeah, I mean, as team two, you're going to be paying him $4 million a year. Is he going to be around to play or is he going to get himself in trouble? Yeah, I mean, that's a, it, it definitely, it's, it, you Especially nowadays in the NFL, uh, you know, you you see guys getting into a lot of trouble. It seems like every month there's like a handful of guys getting into something stupid. You know, DUIs, domestic violence, drugs, PEDs, uh, all kinds of different things. Child abuse, as we saw uh, as well. Um, and there's this penalties are starting to get stiffer and stiffer because uh, you know guys keep doing uh, stupid things like this. So, you know, owners and, and GMs and coaches realize this, that, you know, the penalties are not going to get less severe. They're only going to go up. Uh, so, or is it worth losing a guy? Look at Josh Gordon. And you know, Josh Gordon has so much talent, um, uh, but can't stay on the field because he can't get stay out of trouble. And I heard a report that he's... At, at one point during this, got up to 252 pounds, just gotten lazy, not being able to to practice and and whatnot. Um, so you know that's a story in itself, and we'll see if he comes back. But it's just you don't want that guy. You don't want the next Josh Gordon. You don't want the next you know Pac Man in his early years. You know, unbelievably talented corners can't stay out of trouble. You know those those guys. Uh, you know, they're just—it's just a huge red flag. Is he going to be able to keep himself on the field uh, with his off-the-field actions? Moving on to the twelfth pick here, uh, the New Orleans Saints. You know, this team had uh, a good offense last year. They were the top passing offense in the league, uh, yards-wise, and they end up keeping Drew Brees, keeping Sean Payton. Uh, but everybody knows who watched any of the Saints. They had no pass rush, uh, and they were terrible in the back end. This defense needs a lot of help uh, if the Saints want to try to make a run at uh, the Panthers in that division. So, Amos, who do you have them taking here? Well, so <laughs> I really like the guy I'm taking. I haven't taken a Sean Robinson out of uh, or Sean Robinson out of Alabama, the defensive tackle. Dude's real big, real powerful. There's not really much to say about him, and the biggest thing, the reason why I think you take him is because uh, he is an underrated pass rusher. He's very, very good in the run game. He's still fresh. He played, like, barely over 55% of the snaps at Alabama last year. 
And, you, like, you're trying to get out of the Rob Ryan defense. It's at 3-4. You need probably a guy in there with a nose tackle, depending on what you're going to do. I haven't seen if they're switching back to the 4-3 or if they're going to continue with the 3-4. But I, I think that's a great pick for them because I think it's going to help them, especially because they got gashed, absolutely gashed by the run last year. And I think this is a perfect opportunity for them to kind of seal up that run game a little bit help them get a, a pass rush up the middle. I, I think it's an overall very safe pick. I think there's great value there with him because I think he's got a lot of potential. That I don't think that's a bad pick at all. I uh, like uh, Ashan. Uh, he is a great player. He's big. Uh, and you saw him drop a little weight. He was, I believe, playing at uh, 312 at Alabama and went into the combine at 307. Um and showed that I mean he's got some speed for a big guy. He showed uh, definitely in the forty and uh, and the way he played. Um, he looked really good. Had a really good combine. The guy comes off great uh, in the uh, uh, great in tape when you watch him play. Uh, is a very talented player, and you know it's it never hurts getting one of those Alabama guys on defense. They, there's a reason they're at Alabama. It's because they're some of the best players in the country. Um, I had him taking McKenzie Alexander here. Uh, that's who I had him taking in my first mock draft and second mock draft, the cornerback from Clemson. Uh, the secondary for the Saints was awful last year. I think they do need to pick up a pass rusher as well. I think that's something that they definitely could lean towards. I just had Matt Alexander going here. I already had um, uh, you know, Ramsey and Hargraves going at 4-5. and five. Uh, So Alexander's the next best. And I think that Alexander... A lot of people think that it, it's Ramsey, uh, Hargraves being close, and then a big step down. I don't think that there's a big step between Alexander and Hargraves. Uh, from what I've watched this kid, I think a lot of people look at the fact that he didn't get an interception in, high, in college uh, as a big you know, step down for him, a big hurt. But uh, his last year in college, he had under 30% completion percentage when thrown to him and no touchdowns. Uh, so the no interceptions... Uh, everybody thinks terrible hands, or maybe he just wasn't that good. He's excellent in coverage. He's proved that. It's people avoiding him. Defenses purposely avoided him, uh, which I think is the telltale sign uh, of a really great corner. Is I mean, look how many people tried to avoid Dion. Dion took half the field away from defenses in his prime. Uh, I loved his interview too. This might be my favorite thing. I think it even above uh, Kim Dietschy's interview. First off, says that he's the best cornerback in the draft. I love the the confidence that he has in himself. It's not an outlandish statement. Of course, I still think Ramsey's better. Uh, I think that he closed the gap with Hargraves um, with a lot of the stuff that he said. And, uh, and you know, we didn't get to see him work out uh, because of the injury. So, But they're saying, you know, all that I've been hearing is he's going to run in that 4-3 range which if he does, gives him a big uh, leg up. I think that would be very impressive because corner is one of the places where the 40 time actually does matter because, you know, your recovery speed, how fast you're going to be able to get back to the ball if you make a mistake. Um, yeah, but that, that stuck out to me. 29.6% uh, completion percentage when throwing his way. Uh, very high football IQ. We showed that when they asked him about the top two. Why yeah, no see- touchdowns. Yeah, no touchdowns too. And he gave and he, they asked him about the top two wide receivers, and and he said, uh, uh, you know, he gave his praise too. He wasn't just a lot of people said that he bashed him, and he did. But he said exactly what it is. He said that 
uh, Fuller is a speed guy, and all you got to do is take his speed away from him, you know, get in his face and get physical, uh, and, and, you know, that's all that they can do. Uh, that's what you would do against him, and he said uh, about uh, Treadwell, he doesn't have the speed, so all you got to do is stick with him. He is physical and has really good hands, but if you stick with him and, and stay physical with him, uh, you know, not hard to stick to because he's not a very fast guy. He, I mean, he said it just like it is. A lot of people, I've seen a lot of articles saying he bashed him. I don't think he did. I think he just said exactly, you know, exactly what I saw on tape of, of those two wide receivers. Um, and so it made me think, this kid has a high football IQ. And then when I went back, I watched a little bit more tape on him today. And I was just impressed, you know. Uh, when you look at that stat, 30% completion, no touchdowns given up uh you see a lot of teams go to the screen trying to find ways to get the ball into their big playmakers hands uh you see him follow guys all around the field uh, you know you see him play in almost in every spot on the defense uh as far as the secondary goes you know plays on the left side plays on the right side plays in the slot uh on the outside uh, and i was very impressed with what uh i saw from him on tape uh, so I think that that's what the the Saints are going to do. I don't think the Saints are overly needing a cornerback, but they do need health at cornerback, uh, and getting a boost in talent would definitely help them. Yeah, I absolutely agree, and that's going back to getting rid of Rob Ryan's defense. All them players there, even the secondary. Darius Bird's a great player, very very good safety. I do highly believe he was in the wrong system with Rex or uh, excuse me Rob Ryan and I think McKenzie Alexander going there would be great especially with some of the receivers that he's going you know you have the NFC South Mike Evans Julio Jones and you're gonna have Kelvin Benjamin coming back yeah that wouldn't be I mean it's an upgrade and he's a shorter guy but man he is he's 5'10 and I forget whatever he is but god he he's a very good corner and you can't argue with those numbers 29.6 percent completion and then the uh, no touchdowns man and he went against some good receivers yeah, absolutely and at 510 uh 190 is what he uh, weighed in weighed in at and uh, his height you know he's a little shorter but man he sticks uh, he sticks like glue to a lot of these uh receivers um a lot of the tape i mean he looked so impressive uh, i think a lot of people just look at that first thing they see is that zero interceptions um but you know it I think he I think he does have a little bit of questionable hands. I saw some on tape where I was like, ah, he probably should have caught that. Uh, but he's not playing wide receivers. Hands aren't necessary. Look at Ike Taylor. You know, he had stones for hands. was an absolutely outstanding player in, in the NFL. Um, moving on to the <laughs> next pick here, uh, Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, you know, they end up signing the deal uh, with Stafford. Or uh, Bradford, excuse me, with Brad or Bradford, uh, so that he's going to stay on as their quarterback of the future. That was a big question mark uh, with the Eagles. Uh, definitely need to do some improving, um, you know. But they're right there in the mix, as they showed this year in their division. Uh, a good draft here could put them over the edge. Who do you have them taking here? So I went with uh, Cody Whitehair, the guard, and or I guess just go with interior lineman from. Kansas State. They just re-signed Sam Bradford, and I, you know, this jury's still out or not if they're going to trade Demarco Murray or whatever that story is. But I think, especially since Evan Mathis left, that line just got worse and worse. Especially Jason Peters then going out with the uh, knee injury. I just, I they need help. They need to keep Sam Bradford healthy. It's not like he has the best track record sitting back there and getting hit. 
and he got sacked a ton. <clears throat> this guy is strong. He's got great leadership. Arms are a little short. Hands are extremely strong. Very good in the run game. He's gonna. I, he's good in the pass game too, but he's. I think he'll learn that easily as the season goes on, and I think he'll be absolutely fine in that category. The guy's a smart learner, uh, very quick learner, and I just think he's another great pick because you know if you get Demarcus Murray running, we've all seen what he can do with a good offensive line, and to have a season like that, take some pressure off Sam Bradford, hopefully get Nelson Aguilar and then Jordan Matthews involved. Zach Ertz. I mean, this team's got talent. You just got to, you know, figure a way to keep Sam Bradford up on his feet, keep him from making mistakes. And I think Whitehair comes in, becomes an instant starter. And once again, I think it's a very good pick. There's so much defensive talent that they're going to be able to grab somebody in the second round here. So here you take care of a need with one of the better guards. So when it gets to that next pick, you're just like pulling and hoping that this guy turns out to be all right. I, I think he's a great pick. And I, you know, that's what I would do to protect Bradford and put points on the board. I think that's a good pick here. I think a little early for guard, uh, but you know, it sometimes you can reach and get the guy that you need out of the draft. Um, I had them uh, in my uh, mock draft taking Carson uh, wins here, but obviously in the signing because of Bradford, it looked like in limbo. It for a while it didn't look like it was going to happen at all. Uh, shocked me a little bit that it happened, not because uh, I don't think it was a, a bad decision by them or anything. It just didn't look like Bradford. Wanted to stay. It looked like he wanted to test free agency from everything that I heard. Um, so obviously they're not going to take Carson Wentz there. Uh, so I'm going to go with my original pick that I had in my mock draft at first, Andrew Billings, uh, who I had dropping in my mock draft actually because of the size thing. But he looked solid. Uh, continues to look solid. I'll keep watching tape on this kid, and he really impresses me. He's undersized for a defensive tackle, uh, but he's he's got that, you know, Jarrell Casey and Aaron Donald are undersized for your prototypical defensive tackles, and those are two of the best guys uh, at it right now in the NFL. Um, Billings is a gym rat, very impressive strength. Uh, he is pretty small, doesn't have a lot of height, doesn't have a lot of length, uh, but he is very talented. I keep uh, watching his work that he did when he was at Baylor, uh, and it is impressive. At you know the way that he's able to swallow up runners, uh, he completely um, and he shows really a lot of quickness. Uh, you know, of course, being a smaller guy, you got to make up for that with the quickness and the speed and his lateral movement. I've seen uh, some of the tape here where he was on the far. Uh, he made a great play against Oklahoma, if you go back and look. He was on the far uh, right-hand side. They push him, uh, or of, of the center, they push him to the right-hand side, and he swam back to the left and got to the, the left side of the hole and ends up making a tackle, and, and the quickness was so impressive. Um, you know, he's a kid that I think could make a big difference on this defense. Uh, the Eagles have holes. They do have, a, I think, a good roster overall. They need to figure out how to use it. They do have holes. But I think that Billings uh, could be end up being pretty big for them uh, in the long run. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's just <clears throat> the Eagles, like, since they signed Bradford, they become a little bit of a wild card because outside, I mean, really outside of, uh, was it Jenkins plays safety? Probably outside of safety and maybe Kiko Alonso spot. There's not really a position. I mean, yeah, they have a decent roster, but there's not a position where you're like, yeah, there is a superstar. DeMarco Murray, maybe, but. 
Yeah, it is. It is. It seems like it's a good, not great roster in a lot of positions for the Eagles. Uh, so they could use a lot yeah. of upgrading, but there's nothing, no position that I really look at, and I'm like, oh, that's an immediate. They got to get to that. They're terrible at this position because I think they have good talent at most positions. Um, they are decent, solid talent, uh, but they don't have anybody that that it really blows your hair back on this team. And you you need those players. You know, it doesn't matter. It's at the position. We see teams do it with all kinds of different things, but you need to have those guys uh, that are really talented. Uh, we do have one text in, and it said that, uh, Amos, you're reaching for guard at that spot. <laughs> uh, text for there, getting at you a little bit, Amos. Uh, be sure to, to text in and let us know what you think at 252-621-2065. I'll get you a chance to defend yourself here, Amos. <laughs> Name the second best guard in this draft. Because I can't. The second best interior lineman would be, my guess would be Nick Martin out of Notre Dame. I I think with the value and with these guys coming off the board and with what the Broncos are leaning towards, yeah, everybody's going to want these defensive players, but you also have to have somebody to protect your quarterback. There's no point in going out and getting all these pass rushers if your quarterback can't even take, make a three-step drop without getting hit. You need someone to protect Bradford. When they got injured last year, they had to shuffle Lane Johnson over to left tackle. They had to bring in a guy who hadn't played guard in like a year or something in there. Uh, Todd Harriman's, I'm pretty sure, like, I don't think he's on the team anymore. So, yeah, they need – Cody Whitehair is a very, very good guard. He's someone that they need, and he provides leadership to a team that doesn't have much on that offense. I, there's a lot of, you know tr- – a lot of turmoil and stuff there, and I think he brings stability. I think he's a very good player at the position. It might be a little bit of a reach, but it is a need, and it's something that's probably not there in the second round. Yeah, I mean, I, don't, I think he's an outstanding player. I saw him uh, working out, displayed great footwork, uh, and, you know, you, you look at his tapes, it speaks for itself. Um, I think he is. I think it's one of those positions uh, that you can look at, like uh, offensive tackle is um, – like I believe a cornerback is uh, a lot of these positions where there's a clear wide receiver is another one where there's a clear number one favorite. Uh, in, interior lineman has to be that because he is, I think, uh, the best for sure. You made a great point there. Moving on, we got the Oakland Raiders. This is a team that is definitely building for the future. They have some of the pieces. Uh, they just need to like add some things to put it all together. They have a very talented and very young roster with the right moves uh you know in the next couple of years will make the difference between is this team gonna make the playoffs like once or twice or is this gonna be a team that's a contender every year uh who do you have the oakland raiders taking here at 14 uh actually a guy that you've already just had to go off your board a minute ago uh mckenzie alexander the corner out of clemson we already talked about the under 30% completion percentage, the touchdowns or no touchdowns. Not really enough enough to say about this guy. He's got very uh, high football IQ. He's got high play recognition. He understands once that ball breaks, he reads the quarterback. Doesn't bite hardly ever. And I, it's a, you know he's a, he's a great young corner, and I think he's going to continue to be very, very good, obviously. And I think he goes to a Raiders team where he can make a difference, especially with Khalil Mack there. You're going to have a very good pass rusher and then probably a shutdown corner in your near future. I think it's a great pick here. Uh, I think it helps would help that team out, obviously, tremendously. We already talked about his hands. Yeah, he probably needs to 
fix that a little bit, but it's not, you know, it's obviously it's not hurting him or affecting the team in which he's playing for with his performance and productivity at all. And obviously he's just a very good player. Ryan alluded to a lot of that earlier. I would copy and paste, but you just heard it a minute ago. And this is where I have McKenzie, McKenzie Alexander going uh, to the Oakland Raiders. Yeah, there's a good point here. They definitely need help in their secondary. Uh, I think this is a great pick. Um, and everything that I said earlier about McKenzie Alexander, you bring up a good point, play recognition. There's times when you watch this kid uh, in his tape where he just uh, straight out beats – his man to the ball, and you watch it, you can see that he knows where that wide receiver's going before the wide receiver does a lot of times, or, or he's like two steps ahead of him. Uh, absolutely a, a great pick there. Um, I have the Oakland Raiders here taking Taylor Decker, uh, offensive tackle, Ohio State. This kid uh, impressed me um, in the combine. He, he ran a, what is a 5-2-3 at 310 pounds uh, at 6'7", which is not not like blowing anybody away. It's very solid time, and you showed his quickness, man. That's what is, is great about this guy is his quickness, and he is a uh, just a road grader. Huge, uh, you know, gigantic guy. The Raiders need a right tackle. They need to protect their franchise quarterback. You're getting a huge guy, you know, uh, that can immediately plug and play right now at right tackle. Um, I think he could have the skills eventually to play left tackle if you need him to uh, down the road. He definitely needs to pick up. He's He can stick with guys, it seems like, but he gets, from what I've seen, a lot of people knock his quickness, but I think he is a quick guy. That's not the problem. It's He can get lost sometimes when if guys have good uh, moves as edge rushers. If you're just a guy that comes across with blinding speed, I think that Decker can cover you, but if you have, you know, you have a good swim move, you have a good spin move, you have good moves when you're making to the quarterback, it seems like he can get lost then. Because uh, I've watched the tape, he plays good against straight speed guys that come off the edge, but he does not play well uh, if a guy's got uh, really great moves coming off of the outside. But he can, he's a plug-and-play guy right now at right tackle. Um, and a very excellent uh, run blocker for sure. I like that pick. Taylor Decker was obviously very good. He's, co- you know, Urban Meyer coached, played on. I, there's not, you know, helped Ezekiel Elliott do what he, you know, run for what he got. It just, uh, I watched this guy. He's in my local market. Not enough, I can say, really, that entire offensive line, especially when they got things going. It's different. You can look at all the film of them struggling, but it's not just the offensive line, it's the entire offense. But yeah, Decker is definitely a guy who always stood out, stayed consistent, and got the job done. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that this could help them out here. I think that you make a bring up a great pick point. They definitely need uh, help in the secondary after losing uh, such a key piece this off season, as everybody knows. Uh, losing a yeah. first, ba- first ballot Hall C-dub. of Famer. Yeah, losing a first ballot Hall of Famer is definitely uh, going to be missed. Um, so definitely could use the help in the secondary. It would not surprise me at all. I went with right tackle here just because. Um, you know, I have all three of the big corners off my list at this point, uh, and I just don't think the talent's there for them to grab. I think they could get guys later in the draft because I think there's is that second tier of um, 
of corners is uh, a lot better than I think people think with you know guys like Fuller and Apple are solid players. Uh, we'll move on here to the Los Angeles Rams picking at 15 here. I have an, an excellent defense uh, and absolutely no offense uh, outside of the running back. Um, the rookie rookie running back going into his second season, who just had an absolutely great year uh, after he came back from the injury. And then the news came down today that Jeff Fisher getting a contract extension. Um, so he's going to stay there for a while. they got to build on offense. So you think that has to be a uh, focus on his own offense. Even though they did get rid of uh, some of their defensive talent uh, during the, uh, the offseason, like let go of a couple guys on their defense here. Uh, but they have to. Their offense was dreadful. Who do you have them taking here at 15? Well... So here he is. I have the Rams at 15 taking Jared Goff, the quarterback out of Cal. Obviously a guy really, if anyone watched the combine, he's really one the only real big one of the three better quarterbacks to even really do anything at his combine. He did very, very good. He's got a good arm. He can make all the NFL throws. He's accurate. And I know there's been a thing about him with his hands and then bringing up that he fumbled. Like, I think I actually messaged you this the other day. What, 23 out of like 37 games he's fumbled career-wise. But I think this last year he only fumbled four times. And then, you know what, he threw for 43 touchdowns this year. Yes, he threw 13 interceptions. Five of them came against Utah, I do believe. He's a very good quarterback, though. He completed almost 44% of his deep passes now, given his receivers were good, he's they're quick, but he does have the ability to throw them open, throw it over the middle into tight windows. I think he's a lot better than what I even thought when I go back and look on film because they they were an average team. But I think he is, as far as quarterbacks go in this draft class, I think he is probably the most NFL like pro ready to go in and absolutely play. And I like Carson Wentz. I had him going earlier to the Browns. I think he'll have it. You know, he's not a guy who you can probably instantly play too, but I think you see a year before he reaches his potential to where I think Jared Goff could get there a little quicker and start making plays early. And hey, he stays in California, goes to LA. Maybe that kind of helps with, you know, bringing some attention, some fans. Could be very good for the Rams. And maybe they get rid of Fools, trade him for a third or fourth round pick, and get one of these defensive linemen, another one out of this great deep draft class. Yeah, uh, all great points here. I love Carson Wentz at, at this spot, especially. Um, you know, I think that he could end up being a solid player. The the question being, I mean, uh, Jared Goff, excuse me, uh, could be a solid player. Definitely, hand size is something that you, that's all you've heard since this combine workout is how he has small hands. Uh, but I don't think it's going to be that big of a factor. You saw what he was able to do with the football: forty three touchdowns and thirteen interceptions is amazing. Uh, he did break down a little bit against Utah, um, or not a little bit, a lot, a bit. Uh, but he definitely has shown that he has the skills, uh, just needs to become a little bit more consistent. Um, and I think that'll happen too when he, you know, getting into an NFL uh, team, and especially a team that has a chance to succeed with as good as their defense is. Um, I actually had uh, in my mock draft that I have on Dolphins sideline report. I had them taking Laquan, Laquan Treadwell uh, because I had both top quarterbacks coming off. But since I switched my pick, um, 
for the Eagles and have no longer have the Eagles taking a quarterback, I'm going to put Carson Wentz here. Now, I'm not changing my picks from earlier. That's the only reason that Wentz is going to go here because I think that right now, uh, especially I've been hearing a lot of talk that Cleveland really likes Carson Wentz. Uh, I don't know if that's a tactic of theirs to try to keep uh, play people from trading up and getting in front of them. Uh, to you know, to take guys like Bosa or uh, Jalen Ramsey, maybe. Uh, but they've been talking to him, and they seem like they really like him. I think that he'll go first here. I only picked Carson Wentz to go here um, because I had Jared Goff going last week earlier. Uh, but Wentz has impressed me. I think he is the better quarterback coming in here. There are uh, some drawbacks. He's well. First off, the positive: six six, two thirty five. He's got great size. Uh, big guy. Uh, definitely a guy that's not gonna to go down easy at at that size. Um, and he comes from a pro style system. It won't take him long to adjust uh, to playing in the NFL. He already knows how to read defenses. All things uh, you know that will come na- more naturally to him than they are to the other guys in this draft. There are some uh, things to take away from this though that aren't good. His biggest win of his career was a two and four or two and fourteen Iowa State team. Uh, in which the running game is what beat them, not uh, Carson Wentz, who had no touchdowns, no interceptions, a fumble in that game, and, and threw for uh, two hundred some yards. So, you know that is the the big the best the team that he probably it. played. Yeah, he, that's the, probably the the toughest team that he uh, competed against was Iowa State, and they were awful the year that he played them. Um. Some other things uh, that I look at is uh, is uh, playing at that small school. Uh, how long is it going to take him to adjust? Because the NFL is much faster. Uh, you know, everybody's heard this. Everybody knows this. It's much faster than college. Well, the FBS is faster than the FCS. So adjusting to the speed uh, is going to be harder for him than it is going to be for guys like golf and, and Lynch. Uh, especially golf, who played in the, uh, the pa- tough, tough Pac-12, you know, one of the better conferences in uh, college football. Uh, you know, he got to see a lot more talented teams. Uh, but I think Wentz is still—he uh, really impressed me. He had good interviews, uh, a good workout. I'm not. Everybody thinks that it was like a great workout. I'm not going to say great. He had a solid workout and, and showed that he was f- better than the other two guys uh, with his workout. But it's not something. Uh, that I would throw in in the great category. Uh, he he did a solid workout, and it was better than the other two guys, uh, Lynch and Golf, uh, and really every other quarterback that came out. You thought Golf had a better, or uh, Wentz had a better combine than Golf? Yeah, I like the way he threw better. Uh, he looked more natural, um, oh. and his throwing ability. He his release was higher. I thought uh, I did like. The on the field, just really the the other stuff. I, I I couldn't even tell you the numbers. I don't like paying attention to like forty times and stuff like that. Because I mean, Tom Brady is the best quarterback in the league, and he runs like an eight second forty. I mean, that is the slowest white man in America. Uh, oh no, I understand that. I just thought I thought golf personally. I thought he threw. I thought he threw better. I thought that was by far the one thing because with Wentz, yeah, Wentz threw good. Obviously, I. Lynch didn't impress me at all. None of the other ones really impressed me. Goff and Wentz were the couple guys who stood out. The kid from Indiana made a couple good things. Sudfeld, I think. But I just thought Goff, 
I don't know. I thought I thought he looked way more fluid because like you brought up Wentz was high and the timing was off, but with the timing, obviously these are guys he's throwing to for, you know, maybe 15 yeah. minutes total or something. Yeah, that's why it's not really about like as much as where the pass is to me because a lot of that's chemistry and you know, these are guys that they've never passed to before in their lives. So that's not I look at more right, like I agree. mechanical kind of stuff, uh footwork, whether the and I I meant high by uh where he was releasing the ball. He, it was coming out the same place every time high. It looked good. I noticed golf a couple of times uh was dropping his arm a little bit on certain throws. Um I just the mechanics look better from wins for me than they did for golf. Uh and and then as anybody who listens to the show knows, I am not big at all on Paxton Lynch. Not nearly as as most people are. Uh, but that's who I think they'll take here. I think that it'll help the Rams out a significant amount getting a quarterback in there. I still think they need a lot more help than that on the offense <clears throat> to make a difference. Uh, but we do have uh, another text in here. Corner to Oakland is a nice pick, Amos. Uh, they need it that badly. Uh for your your pick for Oakland, uh, I agree. And a little That's love, thank God. Yeah, <laughs> first some hate, now some love. All right, so going both ways here with you tonight. Uh, going on to the next pick here, the Detroit Lions, uh, the Motor City Kitties. Looking, they started off the season terrible, uh, and then really came back strong. I mean, they look like a playoff team in the second half of the season, to be quite honest. Uh, really impressed what they were able to do. They really had a front-loaded uh, schedule as well. Um, played a lot of tough teams in the beginning of the year. Uh, a lot of playoff teams that they faced uh, towards the beginning of the year. Also, with the way that Minnesota played, and uh, you know that division right now is, is pretty tough. One of the better divisions in football with, with the way that they've been playing. So the Detroit Lions looking to, uh, you know, improve they can prove defensively you know i don't have no idea what's up with calvin johnson he's gonna retire he might not retire he's gonna play next year i think that we're gonna have to wait to see that find out who do you have them taking here at 16 all right so i have the detroit lions at number 16 taking jack conklin the offensive tackle out of michigan state guy is an anchor in the passing game you know, watching Big Ten, especially around here, you get to see him play a lot. I thought he did obviously very well in the passing game. He's a guy's like box strong. He's extremely strong. And you know what? There were a couple times, especially playing Michigan and Ohio State, where you've seen him kind of get beat and then recover very a lot better than what you would think. He's actually pretty fluid for you know being a left tackle and being a big guy. He's also very good in the run game. He understands, you know, getting to the second level and when to let the linebackers slip behind him when the running back's free to spring a run. He's just very good in all facets of the game. And you got Riley Riley Reef on the left side of Detroit. Matt Stafford gets sacked a ton every year, it seems. I know that they're probably going to lose Calvin Johnson, so you want to, like, jump on them getting a wide receiver here. Someone like uh, Lacan Treadwell, if he's still available, obviously he'd be a very, very good pick here. But I think you got to help protect Matt Stafford, even with all that talent <clears throat> last year and the year before. One thing is you can't protect Stafford, and you got to get that running game going. You get rid of Joyke Bell, you're going to have uh, Ab- Amir Abdullah, who I think it can be a really, really good running back in this league. He's lightning fast. you got Theo Riddick, who's a great third down back. Another thing where, you know what, if you get Stafford in shotgun and he's got time and he's got these weapons even without Calvin Johnson, 
he's going to move the ball. The guy's not a bad quarterback. He's just on that team. They need to improve in protecting him so he can get out there and make plays. Absolutely. I think this is a, a great pick here. Uh, I think that it gives, took me back a little bit, but then when you think about it, uh, the more I thought about it, the more I like this pick. Uh, Conklin, I am a big fan of. He had a great workout. Uh, he comes off great in tapes. Really like him. Uh, and they do. It does seem like every year, uh, it seems like every year Stafford spends a lot of time on his ass. So that definitely could improve uh, there. I went with, um, <laughs> in my draft, I went with Reggie Ragland here. Um, but because of the changes that happened earlier, and I had LaCron Chodwell going uh, the pick before, I have, I'm going to switch the pick to here, Reggie Ragland going later in this draft. Um, Treadwell uh, didn't run the 40, which I think ended up being like one of the smartest moves of the draft because every wide receiver seemed I agree with that completely. They, oh, man, the wide receivers were slow, uh, which I think that a lot of people are reading too much into it, uh, but they're going to read into it, and, and he's not going to run in an impressive time. We're hearing that he's going to run in about the 4-7 area, uh, which is going to be a red flag for some people, but it shouldn't be. Uh, keep in mind... Uh, the greatest of all time, Jerry Rice, uh, ran a four seven one forty. Um, so it, you know that it doesn't always transfer to um, on the field speed. And I think Treadwell, he ran a four one on the field, though. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, he had the good stride, the the unbelievable route running uh, ability. Uh, every I've said this before on the show. I think Treadwell uh, reminds me a lot of. Um, the Houston Texans wideout. His name's escaping me right now. Jeez, oi. Um, DeAndre Hopkins? DeAndre Hopkins, yeah. Sorry about that. DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, he, this guy's a big body. He's 6'2", 210 pounds. Um, he has really great hands, really great route running ability. He's a guy that's going to get you first downs, uh, but he, I think he's more than a possession receiver. I think he has the route running ability. From what I've seen in tapes of him and what I've seen him play at Ole Miss, he has the route running ability uh that makes up for his lack of speed. He moves uh, fluidly. He, he man, he is such a good route runner. He has really, he has stick him for hands. Uh, I mean, this kid doesn't let anything get by him. Uh, I think it was a great idea for him not to run the forty. I think that it, it shouldn't reflect. Um, it, it shouldn't reflect on how good he is because he is a fantastic wide receiver. Uh, but it was a smart move coming off. I think it was definitely a smart move before the draft, but seeing all those guys run four fives uh, in, in that draft, it comes off as an even smarter because the story would have been number one wide receiver Treadwell leads a pack of very slow wide receivers, and instead it's the here's all these slow wide receivers Treadwell didn't run. So it's a kind of an afterthought instead of being uh, the focus of, of the story. So it ended up being a great decision by him not to run. Uh, and I think... The Detroit Lions here might go uh, defense, uh, might go offensive line, uh, and, er, but if Calvin Johnson leaves, you need to replace him. You know this team has to be able to pass the ball in order to succeed. Uh, so this would be uh, the logical pick, I think, if Calvin Johnson, if he, if Treadwell falls this far, and if Johnson's actually retiring. Yeah, I mean. <sighs> Treadwell, uh, there's, uh, yeah, no, I agree that it's a very good thing that he didn't run the 40. Uh, the average speed was like, what, a four, five, six or something, which is the worst in like 11 years. 
But even a four, five, six, I mean, yeah, that's not what necessarily what you want to see, but it's not like, oh my God, this is terrible. The one thing I like about it now is that it's actually going to separate people. You know, GMs are going to have to look at these teams or these receivers. Like, all right, well, this guy can run a four, two something. So let's draft him, even though he's not like you don't see anything from him. And I don't know. Like now you get to actually okay this these guys you look for the route runners you look the guys who can actually use their body, and I like DeAndre Hopkins as an example because I think that's a great point and that everyone a lot of people think that he is just he's this blazing fast monster and he's not yeah he's fast but it's the way he uses his body it's the control he has it's the route running ability DeAndre Hopkins is a very very special player he's, I think personally he's underrated and I would put him in the top five wide receivers with what he can do especially without ever having a quarterback. And I think Treadwell can be a guy like that. I think he's got the potential to really show off what he can do. And he reminds me of, like, I don't know. He reminds me of, if, like, a, probably a better version of Justin Blackman coming out of Oklahoma State. Another good comparison there uh, with Blackman. I think he is. He, he has unbelievable hands, great route running ability. And we've seen the success uh, – that uh, DeAndre Hopkins has had, and he's done it with like bare bones quarterbacks. Uh, so you know, it's it, it's definitely a good comparison for them to have. And I think that Treadwell is is by far and away uh, the best. He killed Darrell Revis, you know. <laughs> yeah, he did. I think that uh, by far and away the best uh, wide receiver come out of this class uh, by a lot, uh, in my opinion. Um, I believe he's the only one I have him going in my first round. I actually. Uh, so you know, it, it definitely a good pickup here if, if they want it. I think uh, Conklin also a great pickup uh, to help on that offensive line. We move on here to the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, this is a team who has all the weapons they need to have a great uh, passing game, uh, but can't seem to ever put them together. Uh, questionable defense, uh, so they have a lot of room for improvement, especially since they have uh, you know the runner-up from last season, the Carolina Panthers, uh, in their conference. They need to figure out a way to be able to compete with uh, Cam Newton and company. So who do you have them taking here, Amos? Well, let's not forget what the Atlanta Falcons started, what, 6-0 last year? Yes. And then finished absolutely terrible. Couldn't win a game. They only won two games to finish out. And I have them, and let's go ahead. Let's address that defense. Let's address the defensive line again. I know they got Vic Beasley last year, and this year I have them taking Noah Spence, the defensive end out of Eastern Kentucky. This guy is a very high motor. He never quits. He's got a very good burst. And he's a guy who, you know what, if you need to shuffle around, if you need to put him in sub-packages, he can play with his you know, his hand in the dirt. He's very good. You know, he's really good at pass rushing he had 11 and a half sacks and 22 tackle 22 and a half tackles for a loss and 11 games 11 and a half sacks sorry that production can't be ignored that's a guy who has done nothing but get better and get better and i think he's going to continue to do that i think he's going to help them out a ton especially Beasley being on the right side or left side wherever they put these guys they're going to make a very good tandem they're going to take some pressure off you know Matt Ryan and that offense to where okay every time we go in the field we're gonna have to score points because our defense can't stop anybody I think he's a great fit especially with Dan Quinn you know the Seahawks old defensive coordinator likes to rotate that D line likes to rush four 
And I think he's a guy who absolutely helps them in everything that they're looking to get better at. And, and I think Noah Spence goes to the Atlanta Falcons. I think, Amos, this is your best pick of the night because it's uh, exactly who I picked here. Uh, Noah Spence, <laughs> defensive end out of Eastern Kentucky. Uh, started off his career as a, at Ohio State, so you know he has that high-end talent. Um, and then uh, ends up going to Eastern Kentucky after failing two drug tests for what he later admitted was ecstasy. Um, went on to Eastern Kentucky and had he kept his nose clean, which is exactly what he needed to do since then. Uh, so the red flags are still there, uh, but he does have a year, uh, over a year uh, between him and what happened. Uh, well over a year, actually getting on two years. Um, and he kept his nose clean uh, since then. The Falcons had the worst pass rush in the NFL last year, only getting 19 sacks. Uh, so the risk is worth the reward for me here. Uh, no yeah, expense. absolutely, I agree. Yeah, Noah Spence uh, almost had as many sacks as the entire Falcons did last season. I know he was playing in college, but uh, unbelievable what uh, this kid has, really high-end talent. Didn't really impress at the Combine, um, uh, you know, with his uh, – he, he had a decent – you know, he, he falls in the same space with Joey Bosa for me. He was solid numbers, but not what you expected uh, out of a guy that that has that kind of athleticism. Um, but he was amazing in the Senior Bowl. Well, go watch his practices and, and go watch his workout in the, in the Senior Bowl uh, and go watch the tape. Uh, I mean, I know that he playing at Eastern Kentucky. He doesn't play the best talent in the world, uh, but he, he is good. He is a really impressive player. Um, he ran a 4.840, uh, which, you know, that, that had a lot of people a little bit worried, but he plays faster than that. You can see in the tape he plays faster than that. Um, um and I think this guy's an, an amazing talent. I think Noah Spence, especially what you just said, him and Vic Beasley, you start both of these guys, uh, you know, figure out which end they're coming off of. But you have, you know, the poor man's version of Von Miller and DeMarcus Ware coming up. Then you have two elite pass rushers coming off the edge, and it could end up being huge for them. A team that, uh, you know, did not get to the quarterback nearly enough next uh, last season uh, could end up with uh, a great pass rusher. In my first mock draft, I had him taking Emmanuel Ogball, but he dropped down a little bit for me, uh, and Spence rose up, and that's why Spence is here. Yeah, no, I completely agree with, uh, and especially because, think about it, you get Beasley on one side, Spence on the other, and you got a guy sitting in free agency with Nick Fairley. Like, you know, I know it's been a couple of years since he's done anything, but he is a guy who you're going to be – you might be able to sit in there as your defensive tackle and get some motivation out of him. And I, he, that defensive line could – I don't know if it would be top five. I don't know if it would be top ten, but it would be so much better than what they have now, obviously, with any upgrade. But I think if they can do something like that, it could be real dangerous. Oh, absolutely. And that's one thing is one reason why they struggled a lot last year was their inability to get to the quarterback. In today's game, you absolutely have to do that. Moving on now to pick number eight, 18, Indianapolis Colts here. Uh, the Colts need to improve on the offensive line. They they need to improve on the defense. They need to uh, find a running back as well. You know, they have the aging Frank Gore. A lot of places here where this team can improve, uh, and they want to do so in a quick fashion. Um because we're starting to head to the point where Andrew Luck should be heading into his prime. I know he had a rough season last year, uh, you know, with the injuries um, and and the poor play. But this kid is still really talented. Make no mistake about it. Um, and still probably the best young quarterback in the NFL. Uh, so 
With that being said, Indianapolis on the clock at 18. Who do you have them taking? So I have here a guy who I think Chuck Pagano and uh, BGM was it Gigson? Grigson. Yes. I think they're going to fall in love with this guy, and that's uh, Leonard Floyd, the outside linebacker from Georgia. Very, uh, they need a pass rusher. This dude's a freak athlete. He's 6'6, 245. He's an outside linebacker. And I think with that combination of size and the power you've seen with him playing at Georgia, so he's, you know, he's obviously he's played against the quality teams being in the SEC. He can even play in man coverage, and I think that's something he can get way better at. He, you know, you can, I think he probably, he'll have to learn zone a little better, much, probably a lot better than what he has, but he's a guy who can do that. So, and he's going to be a guy who can pass a rush with his size. He's, you know, he can easily slide and fill gaps and just over it, especially with that initial contact. He can overpower the linemen. Especially if it's a pass rush, he gets on the outside, gets your arms on you, he's just going to swing right by you. I think Chuck Gunn wants a guy like that. He's been, you know, he coached a year with the Ravens, a year or two with, you know, all them great pass rushers. And you're going to need a guy. There's, you know, you're getting a lot better quarterbacks in the AFC South with Marcus Mariota. The, I'm assuming the Texans will draft a quarterback or get somewhat a quality one on the offseason, you would think at least. And then you also have uh, Blake Bortles from Jacksonville and the great offenses. You're going to need someone to get to that quarterback and take him down. And as a rookie with not having much tape on him, especially his rookie year, I think you can have a good advantage and build off that with his confidence. And I think Leonard Floyd's a great choice here for Ryan Grigson and Chuck Pagano for the Colts. I think this uh, – I agree with you here. I think, uh, this is a pick that I think is a great pick here. Uh, I have him going a little bit later in my draft, uh, but I am impressed with Floyd. Uh, but I'll save a lot of that because I have him going later on this uh, exact show in the next two picks here. Um, <laughs> but, uh, buddy, I agree. This this would fit their system. I think it's a good, smart choice. Uh, he really has uh, impressed me. Uh, Floyd has. But I had them taking uh, Jack Conklin, a guy who just came off your board, uh, offensive tackle from Michigan State. Uh, they need to improve their offensive line here. Uh, that's key in keeping Andrew Luck healthy. Um, they need a right tackle, and I think that he might be the best uh, right tackle uh, solely in this draft. Massive. Uh, massive size, 6'6", 220, or 326, excuse me. Um, he, he has the perfect body for a run blocker. He's tenacious, physical, loves, you know, loves to play, uh, you know, and that physical loves to be the uh, in people's faces, running at him hard. Uh, he has a lot of determination. He's exactly, he's got the mental makeup and the exact body that you want out of a right tackle. Um Really impressed. He looked good in the drills in the combine. Very tough kid. You could tell by the way he, he interviewed. He said, you know, he's not a trash talker. He's the guy that's going to lay it on your butt and then go back to the huddle. He says he lets his play do the talking. Um, you know, GMs love hearing that kind of talk. GMs and coaches love hearing that. And here's another thing. 24 teams scheduled to have an interview with this kid. That tells you uh, how many teams... Uh, are looking at him and how many people think that this kid could be a future pick for them, um, how impressed they are with Conklin. Uh, 24 teams come to interview, you're doing something right. <laughs> you know, it's uh, this kid's absolutely great. I think he is, uh, at right tackle only, the best right tackle uh, in this draft. I was uh, blown away by what he was able to do at Michigan State. It all shows up um, in the tape. But I do think that Leonard Floyd's a good pick here, too, uh, to help the Colts. Yeah, I like the 
Jad Conklin pick too because he is man. He's gonna like I get it. I think even people who just watch the Super Bowl and they see what Denver do, I think your casual fan and I think a lot of them still going to underrate right tackles and how important those guys really are because that's where Vaughn Miller did all his damage and that right side no longer is going to be viewed as like, all right, we can put an average player there and get away with it to where now you're going to have to be, you know, you're going to be spending $120 million out of two real good right tackles. Well, and especially I think that they're also another – that's a great point. Another point here is I think they're going to have to start looking at uh, for a new running back. I think they will in this draft. Yeah. Uh, draft a running back because the fact that uh, uh, Frank Gore is 112 years old. <laughs> they need to find someone new to bring in here. Uh, you know, and speaking of that with them is I the kid out of Indiana, the running – I can't think of his name. But uh, I watched him. I watched some film over the weekend. And he – I forget. Uh, Jordan Howard, is that what it is? I think so. He's a guy, you know, he comes out of a passing offense out of Indiana. He was, he was an extremely good running back at Indiana. And I think he's a guy who could fit their system, especially with Andrew Luck. Like, I, I don't know, like something, something, when I look at him, he looks like a Colt to me. He plays like a Colt. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that's a bad pick later on in the draft for them. He did impress at the combine, man. He was... Uh, and and then I it's not a guy that I got to look at a lot, but I watched a little bit of his um, tape earlier this morning, and he is a good pass blocker, uh, has pretty solid hands, good running back, finds the hole well. Um, I was pretty impressed uh, with what he was able to do. Um, and I think that that's something they're definitely going to have to look for in this draft is uh, a running back. I don't have him taking anybody this early. Uh, my first mock draft I had him taking Ezekiel Elliott yeah, with this pick here uh, but I think they're going to wait uh, until later rounds they have bigger uh, fish to fry than at running back I think you brought up a good point with outside linebacker I think offensive line is also something they need to take care of plus um, uh, Ezekiel Elliott and Derrick Henry get all the attention but there is a lot of talent to be had in this draft uh, deeper at running back I believe um, there's a couple guys that really stand out Howard's one of them Moving on here to the 19th pick of this draft, the Buffalo Bills up here. Buffalo uh, plays in a very tough division. You know, you have to go play the Patriots twice a year. You have to go play um, the Jets twice a year, who have a good, a really good roster. And then the Dolphins, even though they didn't have that great of a season, still no joke. You know, the Dolphins could be uh, a second-place team in a lot of divisions. I mean, I think you put them in AFC South, they might have been able to win the division last year. So it's... Uh, it's a very tough division to play in, and a lot of competition here. Who do you think the Buffalo Bills are going to take? All right, so <laughs> right here, I, I have my second wide receiver going out of this draft, and it's Will Fuller out of Notre Dame. And we talked about him earlier because he had to go against Mackenzie Alexander in that game. I believe he only had two receptions for like 37 yards. But the reason why I have the Buffalo Bills taking him is because they have Sammy Watkins. And that's all they have. Yes, you can argue Charles Clay, or yes, Charles Clay is a very good tight end. Robert Woods is an all right wide receiver. Percy Harvin is inconsistent and, you know, he's just plagued by injuries. 
And I think if you get someone like Will Fuller in there to where Sammy Watkins doesn't have to go deep every play, someone like Fuller, who is a very good talent, he did run like a 4-3-3, so he's got the speed to take the top off the defense. Tyrod Taylor showed pretty good progression. His arm's good. He's pretty accurate deep, surprisingly. I didn't think he'd be that accurate, and he is. And I, I think it's a good pick because I think that with the Rex Ryan team, especially in the offseason, yeah, they got rid of Mario Williams, but I think they're also a team that moves a lot with the Rex Ryan as a coach. They'll bring guys in through free agency, and somebody will get that job, and I think the best thing they can do is help that offense because they have a pretty solid line. You know, they got good running backs with Carlos Williams, Sean McCoy, and I think another offensive weapon to help out Tyrod Taylor. Yeah, they could probably get someone for the secondary, but I think Will Fuller is a very good pick here, and I think he's someone who could be very dangerous and that could be, you know, help out Buffalo a lot. A lot of good defenses in the AFC East, a lot of high-scoring offenses. It's a, you know, I think it's a good fit. I do. I see Will Fuller going here. I don't think this is a bad uh, pick. I think it's a little bit of reach. I just don't – I'm not big on any of the wide receivers um, outside uh, of Treadwell. Uh, so I think it's a little bit of a reach. I think Fuller's the guy that's going to drop into the second round. Um but I don't think it's a bad pick. Definitely a big need for them at wide receiver. Uh, so definitely, it'd be a little bit of a reach, but you're getting a guy that fills a big need, um, which we've seen that work out for teams uh, like a million times in the past where they reached for a guy that felt a need, or filled a need, I mean. Um, I had him taking Jared, Jaron Reed here. So I had him taking my first draft, or my first mock and my second mock. Uh, as 6'3", he played at 6'3", uh, 313 pounds at Alabama. Uh, at the combine, he dropped to 307. He ran a 5'2", 1 at, at 307 pounds, which is pretty impressive. Uh, he was a little bit slower than his teammate, Austin Robinson, who will have going on a little bit later uh, in this draft, I believe. Um, but you look at the three-cone drill. Um, Jaron Reed did, was faster at 7.77 compared to 7.80 not a big change there but that shows that he has more lateral quickness uh to me and reed uh is a guy who played bigger but just by a pound and they're about the the exact same height actually very similar players um but the lateral quickness how many times do you need a defensive tackle to run 40 yards down the field like never how many times do you need or rarely i should say how many times do you need uh, a defensive tackle to be laterally quick, you know, on every down? Uh, so I think that um, I think he feels a good, big need for them for the Buffalo Bills, uh, looking to, you know, get rid of some of the guys, make their defensive line a little bit cheaper, free up some cap space uh, without taking off too much talent wise. I think Jaron Reed's perfect fit here for them. Um, and I think if you know, fills a big need for them. Not as big, I don't think, or as pressing as wide receiver but and also Jaron Reed had a, a solid performance I, I like the way he performed in the combine what position does he, defensive end or is he a D tackle defensive tackle okay I thought he was an end so I had to look real quick I thought he was an end my bad so listen you think they're going to get rid of Kyle Williams and Marcel Darius I just think that uh, I don't think they're going to get rid of Marcel Darius. <laughs> I'll say that. I think that they're looking to. Ah, uh, yeah, right. 
I, I think that there's a, there's a lot of reports that I've read that they're trying to look to free up cap space across that defensive line so they can improve offensively. I think you're see they're going to see them make a move, um, especially since you know the, they have one of the best defensive lines and, and still ended up being towards the bottom of of the NFL in sacks, uh, so not getting production. Uh, I think Jaron Reed's more athletic. Um, and is very powerful, and you know he did get to the quarterback uh, in college. Even you know defensive tackle is not known for sacks, uh, but this is a guy that can provide you know a few of them every year. Um, but you know, and it would free up so much cap space. So do I think that Jaron Reed's as good as as those two guys right now? Uh, probably not. Uh, but do I think he has a better value? Uh, of course, uh, absolutely has a better value than Williams. Uh, I just think they're going to free up cap space because they just cut up. I, I agree, but they just cut Mario Williams. was so going to free up cap space. And then I would, I would be surprised if they didn't make Jerry Hughes restructure because that dude took up, he got a big contract and did absolutely nothing. And cause I don't know. Kyle Williams is getting up there, but he still plays young. Marcel Darius is great. I think Jerry Hughes can be a very good pass rusher. If he decides he wants to actually do it. And I, I think they'll pick up uh, end and free agency. I really do. You also have to keep in mind here. I made this list well before Mario Williams was gone. Uh, so I think that that's true. A, that's I, true. Th- I think this is a really good point that you make here because uh, I think that you know they definitely did free up a lot of cap space there. So they probably this might not be the pick for them to go with here. Um, now, well, Will Fuller is probably not either, but <laughs> <laughs> but. This is why we should be general managers. Uh, moving on to the 20th right. pick here, the New York <laughs> Jets, uh, the first team uh, outside of the playoffs, uh, playoff grouping here. Uh, the Jets had a really good team, just barely missed the playoff uh, playoffs last year. Um, and, you know, they play in a really tough division. Everything, I copy and paste what I just said for the Bills, very tough division that they play in. Uh, and they need to take that step to be the second team in this division because I still think, of course, the Patriots are the first team here. Uh, but it was really tight between the Bills. Um, Jets ended up, if I'm not mistaken, Jets ended up taking this division. Uh, but, you know, they got beat by the Bills both. Was it both times or just the once? Uh, I believe it was both times they got beat both by the Both times. Yeah, so, I mean, you, you have to be able to compete um, with the Bills. Lost both times. That's not good if you want to stay in that second-place spot. Um, which I think that's the only thing that's going to be open until Tom Brady retires or or succumbs to age. <laughs> uh, but, you know, definitely need to get better here, have a really great defense, have uh, some stuff on offense that you're working towards, uh, quarterback a possibility, um, a linebacker, edge rusher, uh, something they need. Who do you have the Jets taking here? I have the Jets taking Jalen Smith, the linebacker out of Notre Dame. And I know there's a lot of talk that Jalen Smith may not play his rookie season. I understand that. I know the Jets are getting rid of a linebacker uh, through free agency. They're going to lose somebody. But I think if one team can take them outside of, like, maybe Carolina, Seattle, uh, is their team that can take them, they have a very, very good defense. They're a team that if he has to sit for a year – yeah, you're going to let him sit for a year, and then you're going to get it like a top-five talent right back there as long as he works hard and stays on track. When you look at Jalen Smith, you look at the boxes. Can he, you know, can he stop the run? Yes. Can he play in coverage? Yes. 
Can he rush the, rush the passer? Yes. Does he have high football IQ? Yes. High character? Yes. He checks all the boxes. I I have him as probably my best outside linebacker in this draft. I think he does everything, and I think he excels at everything. I think he'll get better at everything as well going into the NFL, and the Jets are a perfect place. I think it's a match. Healthy, and I think it's a win-win situation for everybody. I think this is an outstanding pick. The only problem I have with this pick is, and of course in mine, I had him going off the board a lot earlier. I just don't think he's going to be here. Even with the injury, he's just too much talent uh, to drop. I agree with you. I think think it's tight between him and Miles Jack. I still have Jalen Smith as my top linebacker um, talent-wise. The injury is worrisome, but there's so much talent there. Uh, you know, it's it's definitely a risk taking him because you don't know how he's going to bounce back exactly. You never know with uh, big knee injuries. Um, you know, we've seen him in careers before with many a player. Um, but I think that he is going to come back. He outstanding talent, man. He can rush. He plays in zone well. I mean, he's the perfect package at outside linebacker. Uh, I went here. Um, same idea, different player though. Since I had Miles Jack and um, I had. Miles Jack and Jalen Smith off my big board or off my draft board already. I took Leonard Floyd, who, who you just mentioned a little bit ago. Absolutely outstanding kid. Um, the one big knock on him was he he needed to gain weight. He needed to get bigger. Uh, he is 13 pounds heavier on Combine Day than he was uh, in his last posting uh, in his last game at Georgia. So definitely putting on that weight and still showed. Uh, people were wondering, will he still be as explosive? Uh, putting on the weight came in at six six two forty four, with those extra thirteen pounds. Still ran a four six forty, which was fifth best among um, among linebackers. He had a forty nine and a thirty nine, excuse me, thirty nine and a half inch vertical, which was second best, and a, a broad jump of uh, one hundred twenty seven inches, which was third best among linebackers. Uh, he didn't. Um, Go in, and and that was also. Let me remind you, that's a four six forty on one run. He did not take his second attempt, so that was his first run. Uh, he didn't play in any of the positional drills. Um, still a little bit sore uh, coming back from a, like a hamstring injury that he suffered. Uh, but uh, this kid's. I mean, it's not an injury you got to worry about. This is definitely something that's going to be gone. Uh, probably even before mini camps, uh, probably by draft time, actually, it'll be gone. I'm sure you'll see him work out a lot at his pro day. Uh, absolutely outstanding. He is so explosive, man, unbelievably explosive, has great length, um, able to just blow up plays in the backfield. I am really impressed by this Leonard Floyd kid. Uh, he's not getting a lot of attention because of guys like Miles Jack, Jalen Smith are getting all the attention uh, because of how good they are. Because as you mentioned, the one thing that they have that he doesn't is uh, they play well in zone. Definitely something that Leonard Floyd has to improve at, uh, but he is such a good edge rusher, and he, he can definitely get in the backfield and be a very disruptive player. Uh, and, uh, you know, both of us thinking the same here, just different players we have coming off our board. They need to get uh, someone that, that can set that edge, and we, I think that uh, Leonard Floyd can do that for them. Yeah, and you know, I'm gonna be honest. Like, I had heard and seen, you know, some a little bit of film uh, Leonard Floyd throughout the year, just flashes here and there. But really, going back and looking at him and watching him, the guy is, if he reaches potential and works hard and does what he's supposed to do on his end and whatever team drafts him, 
helps him to reach his full potential. This guy is going to be a monster at that position, especially if he starts dropping in zone coverage. He's going to be able to cover tight ends. He's going to be able to play zone to play the flats and stuff. He's going to be fast enough to cover backs, tight ends, slot receivers. This guy's going to be all over the field, especially with his size, because at some point, yes, yeah, speed is always good to have, especially out of running back stuff on flats like that. But if you have a guy like Leonard Floyd who's going to be able to break out and with his uh, size and his stride just catch up and win you know, the battle over you know the size-speed ratio, this dude's going to be a star. And he, I can't say enough about him because I think he is slowly rising, and I think he's a guy who's a little bit underrated. And Jalen Smith, obviously, big Notre Dame fan. And I think if not, if he's not injured, he's probably, I don't think he gets out of the top. I would say probably seven in that area to where a team, I think any team could use him. He'd be able to fit and play in any team with his, I just, the injury scares me because of the nerve damage and stuff. And I like, cause I do, I think he's a top 10 talent and I think he made him go there. Like you had him going. My thing with him is if there is nerve damage, there's any kind of situation where they don't know, maybe teams get scared and they decide, all right, well, Yes, he might be a great talent, but nothing's been fully decided on that knee. And I think none of those top 10 teams are going to be just going to take the risk and do it to where the Jets can. They have a good enough defense to where they can let, if he has to sit a year and a half, they're going to be able to let him do it because they're that good of a defense. Yeah, absolutely. I had him going at 10 uh, for the Giants, uh, Jalen Smith, as we were talking about. Um I think that the nerve damage does worry you, uh, definitely. I mean, definitely a big worry. Uh, it seems like Miles Jack is, is coming back a lot cleaner, um, which I think makes him the most draftable of the outside linebackers, even though I think Jalen Smith is is a touch more uh, better if if uh, every, everyone's healthy here. Um, that does worry you, but, man, there's so much talent there. I've heard good things about him, about his recovery. Um, I've heard... Uh, even some saying that he'll it'll be a, it, when he heals he'll be a hundred percent it'll be uh, brand new so but it's definitely worrisome you know you don't want to draft a guy in the top ten and then you know you never get to see him at a hundred percent definitely not something you want to do uh, that definitely drops his value a lot and I think it's going to be um, Jalen Smith's a guy that's so hard to pick in this draft because you just don't know yet. Miles Jack's pretty tough, but it looks like Miles Jack's going to be playing. Um, uh, I, I, from what I've heard, that he he might even make the start of training camp. Uh, from what he of what I've heard of how he's coming back, Jalen Smith, uh, you know, might miss his rookie season as you mentioned. Uh, so it's definitely the next was it fifty eight days now to the draft. They're definitely going to uh, be in limbo yeah. until then. You know, you're not. We're not going to know really where he's going to end up, uh, because if he comes back and it looks like he's going to play that first year, you know, he definitely could slide into the top ten. He's absolutely an unbelievably talented player. Uh, as for Leonard Floyd, uh, watching the tapes, I will say this, and I don't know if a lot of people agree or not. I watched the tapes on all three guys. Um, I believe it was Saturday. I went back and watched uh, all three of these guys uh, and took notes and compared them. I think that out of these three, and obviously the top three uh, outside linebackers in this draft, I think Leonard Floyd's the most explosive. Uh, the way he gets back, you know, that first step, the the move in, I think he might be the most explosive of the three, but of course does not play in zone as the other two uh, have proven, especially Jalen Smith. Um, you know, it's hard to look at Jalen Smith and tell what he's better at because he does play excellent in zone coverage. Um but that's it here. Well, for I think the... Miles, Jack, oh, go ahead, go ahead. and uh, – oh, my bad. 
Also, I think Miles Jack and uh, Jalen Smith are guys who are going to beat you with their speed and stuff, so you're not going to see the coming. To where the uh, Leonard Floyd is, you're just going to see people blowing out of the way, and he's going to yell at you, let you know he's coming, and there's nothing you can do about it. Alright, yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I'm going to do our last two texts that we got in here tonight before we go. Uh, we got a text in here that said... Uh, of course we do. It said, Leonard, <laughs> Leonard Floyd is a beast. Uh, beast in all capitals. Um, and then the next one that we have here uh, says uh, the Buffalo Bills will pass on Jaron Reed. And I, I, I think I agree with that now because we've seen them get rid of Mario Williams, which I didn't see coming. Uh, you know, and that freed up the space. But you got to keep in mind, I made this before then, so it'll definitely change in my my next mocks that'll come out. Um, but that's it we have uh, for tonight. Thanks, everybody, that tuned in. Thanks, everybody, that texted in. We love hearing from you guys. Um, we'll be back, of course, next week. We'll have 21 to 31, all the playoff teams and, and their picks who we have going where. And then we're going to do four weeks after that. The next four weeks, of course, will be uh, dominated by March Madness. We're also going to have anybody who's a big March Madness fan, we are going to have uh, a March Madness bracket competition. uh, And we're going to get Peter and uh, Rich involved in this. They're going to fill out brackets too. Uh, We're going to follow it. Uh, We're going to come up with – we're still coming up with prize ideas here, but there's definitely going to be some prizes for the – the top uh, fans that that compete, um, and you get to get to test your basketball knowledge against uh, myself, Amos, uh, Rich, and Peter. So it'll be fun, definitely fun things coming up. Uh, follow us on Twitter, uh, like us on Facebook, follow us now on the new Instagram account. Uh, definitely gonna put more and more pictures up there. We got some stuff there up already, but I'm looking looking to put a lot more stuff up there. And big shout out. I have to get a little bit of hockey in, Amos. I just have to get just a touch of hockey in here. Shout out to my Washington Capitals tonight, uh, beating the hated rival Pittsburgh Penguins 3-2. to two. Um, Six rings. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, <laughs> uh, but it was a good win tonight. So uh, We'll be back uh, next week. Of course, tomorrow we have the Par for the Score show. Um, really looking forward to that. we got a special guest coming on. Uh, more on that later. Uh, and then Thursday night, we're going to do the the fictional basketball draft. We're going to do the draft, the NBA draft, with only uh, fictional players, guys from movies uh, and television shows. Uh, really looking forward to that. And then, of course, Friday, you're going to have the, the free-for-all show. News on that is it's no longer going to be live. They're going to do it as a podcast, and it's going to release on Friday afternoon. I'm not sure what time yet. I don't think they know for sure, but a little bit earlier on Fridays. And it'll be a podcast. You won't be able to listen live, but it'll still be right here on the Spreaker page, uh, right where you find all of the other shows. So thanks, guys, for listening. It's uh, been a lot of fun talking to you. Uh, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow night for the Par for Discourse game show. Good night, folks. Have a good night. Thanks for listening to the Free Parking Show. To hear the boys live, tune in every weeknight at 9 p.m. Eastern. 